0: So, a deep breath in and a deep breath out, and that's a good time to to start uh, a new episode for for our Mindfulness Debian podcast. Uh, you know, many many things happen, many guests we had until now. There are a um, lot of practice you can do, and that's actually there is going to be another new practice and a new guest for you today. But before that, maybe a couple of news. So now that we had a summit uh we we started uh, in you know mbc uh the the experiences right that they're still running I, I think today and in these days the the first the the kind of shortest version of them with p started uh, uh finishing right so i saw some badges already about to be issued, but the other mbc cohort uh, are still ongoing right still uh, two or three or four weeks to go before having them all completed. So by the end of the year, we will have all the, um, all the you know, hopefully all the, you know, students or the practitioners that were with, with the beds, right? Uh, and also a good news part, uh, we also have a supervisor bed now. So the, for whoever that is actually doing currently in NBC, uh, can uh, you know request to their own cohort leaders that they want to be supervisors so they want to be doing uh themselves leading themselves an MBC cohort next year and for doing that they would just need to be apprentice for together with another supervisor for another wave and after they've been apprenticed and they with there is a supervisor course as well happening next uh, uh, January February and after that uh, they can also have the supervisor beds and move on, bringing more IBMers and folks into, uh, into the mindfulness community experience. So that's the good news, right? Anything else from you, Pat?
1: We we still don't have all the uh, kinks and, and things uh, figured out at at Kindrel. Uh For now, it's uh, just seeing you know how this is going to be aligning to the culture, what we're doing with funding, with. With roles but mm-hmm. we have a vibrant community and we are running live practice sessions and we've been running this three-week intro course mm-hmm. we just finished the first wave of that in november and we're going to do three more cohorts nice. of uh, in december and then next year be on the lookout for some longer programs modeled very much of off mbce or the mindfulness-based connect experience
0: that's super so we can uh you know it doesn't matter where you learn mindfulness Mindfulness is the same right uh and it's always here at any moment thank you for sharing Pat. so i wonder if we have a guest today and who is our guest
1: yes we do have a guest today who's uh, calling us from miami right now uh if i remember correctly cole harbour he's the executive officer at the institute of organizational mindfulness welcome welcome cole welcome thank you thank you guys it's a pleasure to be here pleasure to have you pleasure to have you so cole tell us a little bit about um who you are what you're doing and when did your mindfulness story start and how's it going
2: sure sure um yeah and you know thanks for thanks for having me be a part of this community that you've both been building together and i now you know hearing that a new community is building at Kendrill. so i wish you all the best in that And i appreciate you including me in this uh in this dialogue and community you're forming um yeah so i'm the executive officer at iom uh the institute for organizational mindfulness we've been a um Uh, an organization for about three years, a nonprofit association formed to um, sort of be the Switzerland presence uh, in the mindfulness movement. Um, I think, you know, as you both are very well aware of, um, there are a lot of great sources of information now about mindfulness. It can still be kind of confusing, I think, to learn about it in a in an effective way and especially in a way that's relevant to the workplace so what we're really hoping to do is come into the movement in sort of a neutral way right to help define the standards the best practices and as far as training goes we're very focused on the science right science-based and performance focused so we want it to be very inclusive Right, we want people to understand objectively, right? It's important to understand how the brain and the body work, right? That doesn't require a belief or a ritual or whatever. And we want people to see, right? The value of training that brain and body toward your role in sales or toward your role in service or as a manager, right? And all of those skills you're building through this brain training, right? Are, uh, are, are giving back to you personally, they're giving back to people that you lead and they're giving back to the organization, right? So that's our, our vision is to really elevate that paradigm to the norm, which I feel like and you guys, you know, it might be a good discussion point, but I feel like it's mainstream at an individual level, but this concept of a team-based or an organization-based mindfulness is still pretty out there um so yeah that's that's IOM um and as far as my mindfulness journey you know I I came up in a pretty traditional route back when I was in undergraduate 2012 or so um almost 10 years ago um there was a Tibetan Buddhist monk that came visited my college campus and um, I don't exactly remember the details of how I ended up there but That was my first meditation instruction um, was from this local, I think it was like a Kagyu Tibetan Buddhist uh, uh, abbot that came and taught us breath meditation. And I remember just being so emotionally impacted, like there's there's no other experience I had (laughs) that had made me feel so good Like it was just amazing and I didn't even understand it. I was just, all it did for me was just open up this, this curiosity for like, what, what is Tibetan Buddhism? Like who are the Tibetans? What is meditation? And then, you know, I think really that was my key origin moment where, you know, every single experience I had after was kind of looking at, you know, how can I learn more about, this mindfulness stuff. And I was also on a business track. So I was also interested too in how business and mindfulness would keep kind of merging together. And so by the time I graduated 2016, um, you know uh, you know, that was, it was more and more common to hear from leaders like Chad Ming and Andy Lee and, you know, you know, Google, Etna, all these organizational mindfulness examples. Um, but, you know, back then I, yeah, I I was just graduating from college. I, mean, I didn't have 10 grand to pay for a certification or the know-how to really start my own business. So I, I went and worked at a retreat center for a couple of years, did some fundraising, learned how to facilitate mindfulness and really deepen my practice quite a bit. Um, and long story short in that, I mean that was really kind of my practice launch pad is I just began searching at some point. I was like, my practice feels good. I like this individual. It's a one-on-one education process, but I'd like to have a bigger impact. And that led me to meeting the founding team of IOM again, Long story short there, but uh, I uh, feel very lucky that I'm sort of sitting in this, you know, Mm. sort of moment, you know, I don't know how I got here, but uh, I feel so grateful that it it aligns so much with the momentum of of everything I've been learning.
0: Nice. So so you you had basically an interesting beginning, right, with uh, a Tibetan monk. And, uh, and probably, and that's what I experienced could be one of the main reasons, like the, the, the origin of mindfulness in the Tibetan tradition is one of the strength from one side, because it's like, you know, three and plus thousand years of experience and so on. But from the other side nowadays is one of the reasons why many are not wanting to get into the mindfulness journey because they say, no, it's, it's there, it's religious, it's just something it's Buddhist and so on. So I don't want to get there. You know, I have another religion, I have another world. I just don't want to be like that. Why is not like this? Right. So that's a good question to you. Why is not necessarily connected with the Tibetan tradition in itself? Right. Since you were talking also about science and what I am, Mm -hmm. I am doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Thank you. Um, you know, um, I guess I'll, I guess I want to back up and kind of look at that question in a different way. Because it, it's hard for me to untangle, you know, the way I learned about mindfulness and empathize with someone that's completely new today. I mean, that's, that, you got to really exercise your, your awareness there, I think, to, to step in those shoes and be a good teacher, right, to meet someone where they're at. Um, I feel like, you know, in the, in the world, in a world where we are, we are in more and more diverse and hopefully more inclusive workplaces. I feel like as leaders, as members of the global workforce, we have to learn how to be more open-minded, you know? And like, I, I, I think it's a mistake to not talk about the origins of mindfulness. I mean, With the with the information available out there today, I mean, some way or another, you're gonna come across the story that it's a Buddhist or a Hindu practice, right? So it is separate, but I feel like you know, as an educator in the space, you have to give people the context, right? You have to you have to be up. and I think that's like the first thing you should say. It's like this is a, you know, this comes from a Buddhist context. This comes from a world that's you know 2500 years ago right when warlords and famine and plague and all these things were like the norm and you know these days plague is sort of a theme but i mean we live a- amazingly different lives in the 21st century so we kind of need a translation you know we're at this you know we're at this point where I think we can see what the buddha taught is valuable right it's an objective sort of walk through how does the mind work right in a very different world but if you kind of take it with a grain of salt right see you know what he's really trying to say like it's not religious it's a very scientific walkthrough of like the inquiry of how does the brain and the mind work but right buddhism is a religion right hinduism is a religion so you know we kind of have to step in there and draw a line like and you know what i say is right the past 70 or so years we've been kind of trying to figure out how to forward this translation like build to, to put mindfulness into a new context a new world where we can talk about it through science and we can talk about it through performance in the workplace and digital transformation and and all of these new things that the buddha obviously wouldn't have been able to speak to um but from a scientific point of view the the amazing opportunity we have is we can really you know we we can trust that it's actually doing something right up until you know recent history it's been anecdotal evidence but now we have hard evidence and we actually are starting to be so clear about how do these mind how does the mind change the body and the brain and it's amazing how exponential that understanding is you know coming towards us and how per view this topic of mindfulness is to all of these other scientific things, you know, that I think have been kind of caught up in, you know, universities and very small circles. Now we're trying to help people like real people and manufacturing and sales and leaders, like figure out how to actually apply this stuff. So that was kind of a long answer, I, I realized, but right. Original question was, how is science and, uh, and this Buddhist Tradition, different um, religion, diff- different. Hopefully that is not a clear answer there, but there's a story. Hopefully
1: that answered that somewhat. I think it's you know in- important to note that you don't need to be a, a Buddhist or a Hindu in order to-, to practice or learn about mindfulness. But I, I had a-, a question about this this transition from I to we or from individual to team or organization. If you could talk a little bit about what you're seeing here, what what, what are the th- uh, the trends around this space?
2: Yeah, the the first place I'm going with that, answering that, is um, building exactly on the last answer, which is you know we're we're in this kind of infant stage still of people being exposed to and actually learning and applying mindfulness in a sort of like, you know, an infant learning to walk way. I mean, we have hangups about building practice and getting off it and really being into a retreat. And then three years later, like, Oh, it's gone. And, you know, it's like, we're, we're just, we're kind of learning to walk. Um, And I feel like it's because we're trying to sort of adhere to a model of mindfulness that is the old model, right? Not all of us that learn about the science and the practices are going to practice in the same way, but I feel like it's so common to actually be pigeonholed into that, if that makes sense, to be sort of pushed or motivated toward a really deep practice and i feel like what a lot of people like to hear i don't think as an excuse more so as like permission to like make this is i've heard i think i've heard you guys talk about how this is your practice right i mean and we have to like proactively build that into the way we teach and give people ideas to like how to imagine like how is this anything but just like sitting and meditating you know and i feel like so as far as the i to the we when we're talking about mindset and the workplace and being a leader like you know so many leaders are like why well, you know i think it's selfish to meditate for 20 minutes you know when i could be doing x and x and y you know i'm like yeah but you know that's fine like how can you take that you what of what you've experienced in a meditation and really apply yourself right before you do that thing that drive that that makes your people like just not like you like how can you if you're not going to do this model right how are we going to start thinking about this isn't about me right this is about creating better interactions being a better leader there's there's really a lot of value in introspection understanding ourselves so we we have to sort of take responsibility and i think give people a sense of pathways they can go about this because um and that's the that's kind of where we're at too is like you know as facilitators i think we have a lot to learn in that way too um a lot a lot more specific language for how that can happen i hope that makes sense but i feel like there's a shift right that we're sort of trying to build a new model to shift to we of which now is very focused on i ironically (laughs) um
0: that that's my educated guess so that that's that's in the shift in the mindset of people. But how do you envision uh the practice in an organization? Like do you imagine like you know everybody will have to practice together or think or we have mm-hmm. this as a new routine? What what do you see as new routine coming in in a mindful organization?
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I think um Obviously, you're starting from an assumption that um, you don't really know what the mindful life at Cisco or the mindful life at Aetna or American Express or Apple, you don't really know what that looks like, right? But I think there's some basic, basic best practices you can get started with. And I feel like one of the most important things to do first is in the program design stage, like if you're just sort of trying to understand, you know, do I really want to bring mindfulness (laughs) to my workplace is to just ask, you know, I I feel like, um, you know, if if an organization is just starting, I, I think more often than not, they will be surprised by how many people actually want to learn about mindfulness, right? And I feel like that's an important sort of opt-in element of, of of implementing a program. So I feel like that's kind of a common missing step. But if we're past that, right, if we're actually like implementing, I think it's really good to have a pilot a very high quality pilot based on, you know, kind of the survey depends on how big your organization is. So I'm just speaking in broad strokes here. You can really invest in a group, right? That can give you the kind of cultural feedback mechanism while you also teach the content. So you can learn to personalize and remember we're looking for what is the mindful life at American Express look like and hopefully with a good teacher student relationship you can learn about that in a pilot and hopefully with with the partnership or however this is being set up you know you can take that learning as a facilitator as a students and really make something more valuable after the pilot right because we're after that we're thinking broad and so hopefully at that stage, education rise, you know, we're, we're trying to deliver a custom program or specialized tracks for sales teams, leaders, customer service professionals, software engineers, right? So it's most relevant to what they're doing every day. And I think it is important, just like you guys are doing outside of those formal education opportunities for there to be a community of practice um there's just there's just sort of an a, an untimely or I don't know there's a universal truth there of kind of what the buddha was talking about which is the the sangha and um i think it's just so helpful to have those moments of vulnerability and accountability and at all that come from having a community built around practice. So if your company can accommodate that, figure out a model for that, volunteer driven or you know supported by some third party, I think that's extremely essential. And that can kind of become the right sort of a marketing, you know, engine for people that just want to have a 30-minute experience or five and it can kind of keep this ongoing momentum, this base for for a wider program. And the other thing I would say is that, is that you educate leaders throughout every step of the process. Um, There's so many stories I've heard where well-intending grassroots leaders, um, you know, not, not their fault at all, but they, they, they build a great program from the bottom up. They get funding. They do pilots. They have a big newsletter. And then, you know, they get to the point where it's like, okay, it's it seems like this is mindfulness at this company, right? We're going to make this a part of the company. And the leaders just, they're just not ready, you know? They're, it, it And there was one case study where we talked to um Christine Wenger from uh Toyota she was really good about that she's like right from the get-go like she was curating all of this information sending it to leaders building testimonials sending it to them and I don't know if that's going to work every time but I thought that was a great nugget you know a a very unique one where if you can you got to be thinking about how can I include the leaders so that when I do make my ask or when they do show up at that practice session right that they're kind of primed and ready to have the conversation you're facilitating so those would be the three right great uh ask you know if people want it Do a pilot where you can build that feedback mechanism, you know, to build it for your culture, Um, you know, have a community of practice and educate leaders along the way. I feel like those are the big ones that stand out to me um, without going
1: too much deeper. It's very uh, thought out and organized and you know, kind of organizational-wide thinking. And I think this is a, a great perspective for, for us and also for the the, the listeners. Um, Leila, I don't know if you had a, another quick question or something to say before we jump
0: into a practice. I think it's good time for a practice. Yes. Anything of your favorite or what whatever you want to show to our listeners?
2: Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so I'm going to share the... Know if you've done this before, the five three one practice. Um, this is uh, one I learned from um, Bridget Christiansen at at Amazon. Now she was at Boeing before, but she uh, cool story about this one is it it came out of her uh, teaching mindfulness to a lot of line managers, supervisors, executives. She was trying to give them practice; they wouldn't. You know, have a lot of resistance to. And so, five, three, one is five deep breaths. Right. You visually, you close your eyes. You have three, sort of experiences, people, objects of gratitude, and then one intention. So, this is a informal practice, a quick practice, but one that it's good to kind of get your mind in the right place. So if you're, however you're sitting, you can just sit up just a little bit straighter and close your eyes. And just begin to breathe in through the nose and then exhale through pursed lips. through the nose,
1: exhale
2: through purse lips. as you're breathing to five breaths, remember to exercise patience. Uh, trying to get to the end of the breath. Okay, just really taking the full breath as you can. Relaxed, patient. Hopefully, you're close to your last one. So I want you to start thinking of, we're going to (laughs) think of three things that you're grateful for and visualize us ourselves using those things with those people or in those experiences. So the first thing I want you to think about is something physical, material that you're grateful for it could be the cup of coffee in front of you, your computer, the bed you slept in last night. And I want you to, in your mind's eye, really picture yourself using that thing and feel appreciation for it in your life. And next, I want you to think of a person, could be a friend, colleague, family member from your past or your present. Someone that nourishes you, supports you, loves you unconditionally, and see them In your mind's eye, maybe you have some memories here you can recall upon. And again, feeling appreciation, gratitude for this person. And then last, I want you to think of an experience. It could have been a recent opportunity or a challenging moment where you had an insight about someone or yourself, right? something that helped you grow. And just take a moment to, to appreciate that that happened, right, that you were able to grow or that you were able to take advantage of that opportunity and again just visualizing that as clearly as you can in your mind's eye. So for our last step, the one, the intention, since we're ending this podcast, you're going to start your day or you're winding down your day. I just want you to set an intention for what you're going to do next. Like Right after this turns off. It's something that will help you be a better person, cultivate your well-being, connect with someone else. Just try to set one intention for what you're going to do after this. See yourself doing that thing. Having that conversation, feeling that way and let your visualizations dissolve and slowly open your eyes. And we'll end 531.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Colin. And thank you, Bridget. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Bridget. Very nice. Thank you so much, Cole, for that practice, for being here, for all that you do. It's, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you here.
2: Same, same to you guys. I appreciate being included in the conversation and looking forward to following your work more.
0: To be continued to the next, uh, next episode. And thanks everyone for listening.